Today we're talking about building things from front to back, full stack shipping. Chris has been working on some things and now he's going to talk about his learnings. So welcome to our show and hang on a bit. Tools Day. Tools Day is on. Let's get to it. Soft claps. For- Soft claps. <laughs> I messed up. I, lo- okay. I love it. I love it. It's okay. We're not perfectionists here. In fact, no. this show is going to yeah. be very ad hoc. Yeah, very ad hoc. Very ad hoc. Listen, perfection is the enemy of done. And we're all I about, agree. We're all I about shipping here. 100% agree. Perfectionism <laughs> is the thing that is holding you back in life. Perfectionism <laughs> and expectations. Let them go, girl. And you will find your path to success. <laughs> So um, today we're talking about full stack development. We're talking about shipping things. And specifically, um, Chris is going to take the reins on this one because Chris has been working on some pretty cool side project and uh, wants to talk about some things that he's learned about more of the full stack side of things. And um, yeah, I don't really know what he's going to talk about. But <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure it out as we go. But before we get there, quick note from our sponsor, Voyage App. Um, Thank you again for sponsoring our, our podcast. Um, if you haven't heard us talk about them before, uh, Voyage is a tool built by and for developers. Voyage saves hours of your time by automating, automating staging environments for your full stack, full stack uh, applications for each pull request and includes full feedback tools with each deployment so you don't have to juggle emails, Slack messages, sales spreadsheets, et cetera, air tables, uh, whatever else tool you're using. Um, oh yeah, Airtable is cool. I, I Air forgot about that. Cool. Uh, but some of you know our personal favorite features from uh, Voyage is that you know, again with the full stack deployment, you know some other um, of these Q, a QA environment uh, tools only deploy front ends. Voyage deploys a back end, your front end, your databases, whatever kind of things you have for your application. All Voyage the things build. full stack. Oh, <laughs> we're really keying in on this word right now. I know. <laughs> Voyage builds and deploys all of them, even if you have multiple repos, multiple services, everything is just just fine. Um, with every deployment, you get a unique URL, and so you can send that over to your team and who else needs to see your PR. And on that URL, you have a built-in feedback tool, so they can just hit a button and give you comments directly into your PR, whether it be on GitHub or Stash um, and a variety of other integrations they have built in out of the box. Um, and finally, uh, everything is safe and secure. Um, not even their team can access your code. So no matter what, you don't have to worry about your code being leaked. So set sail with Voyage and save some time and headaches with their staging environments. That sounds awesome. Those, yeah, I mean, security is a big thing that I'm thinking about right now. So yeah. very good to hear. And all the PR build built-ins are great. Love me some built-ins. So, yeah, sounds like a great tool. We're here to talk about tools. Yeah. (laughs) Chris, do you want to talk about the other tools that you have used? I have been banding around so many tools recently. Um, You know, first things, you know, we were saying full stack, a bunch, full stack development, developers. Caveats here is that I don't really fully believe in full stack developers. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. I uh, I mean, I think that full stack development is a thing, but I think that um, it is very hard to be an expert in full stack. I mean, like, I feel like 
Uh, you know what? I'm just going to say that. I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> yeah, so when I say full stack development, I'm saying I'm just scrapping by, trying to get something to work on the back end and infrastructure side. Um, and that is what I define as a full stack developer, somebody who can just get it done, but probably isn't great at it. You know, I, I, I call myself a UI engineer because I'm good at doing UI code. Um, and I can, you know, sometimes scrap together some backend stuff. And this is why we have tools. That's why we because, have tools. Because nobody is a true expert at full stack development. Nobody that I know, at least. I think that most full stack developers are more on the, like, backend back. side of yeah. things. Yeah. And they can kind of, like, do some UI and styling. And it's enough to scrape by. Yeah. And they use tools like bootstrap or like tailwind or like other things that help them to get there um and then this is our story from the other perspective of like right. yes. we, we're good at building uis and now we're trying to figure out how to set up like databases and link them up and have all, yeah. that, work. all that shenanigans <laughs> yeah okay so with that context out of the way you know so a few weeks ago we talked about i think i mentioned prisma and expo because we're using prisma to or I say we, I say me, me, I am the only developer, um, um, to, to figure out how do we actually store data in databases and all that stuff. And then it's deployment time. And I'm like, all right, how am I actually shipping this? Um, and so you run into this whole world where, actually, we both used to be part of a product called IBM Cloud or, or Bluemix, oh, yes. which was a platform as a service thing where you could like uh, say, hey, I want, I want to deploy a node application or whatever and that would just go up in the cloud. And oftentimes these days you hear about these tools like Vercel, Netlify, mm -hmm. all these other great tools for Azure, shipping. Azure, like Azure. all the functions you can do. Yeah, so you hear about all these great things about you know, shipping your Node application, but oftentimes I'm not, I don't see a ton of documentation around it. What about my databases um, and that stuff? And so, um, the same is true, though. You know, there are, there's a bunch of different tools out there to let you do what's called managed databases. And uh, I've went through a big exploration of a bunch of these. Uh, we started off on DigitalOcean, um, which was lovely. And if you need something... Shout to out to DO. You know, Go buy their stock. Thanks. Shout out to DO. <laughs> this is market manipulation. <laughs> <laughs> um, but here's the thing about Do. Uh, sorry, Do. I, I it it was so easy to deploy my stuff with Do, but Do is also super expensive compared to AWS and GC and Google Cloud Platform. So, I think it highly depends on your use cases and what you need. But yes, so yeah. This is one of the things that if you're a hobbyist developer like kind of I am, where I'm just trying to hack things together and get something going, and like hopefully it pans out or not. Um, some of these services have great free tiers or low cost tiers. And DigitalOcean, while it has a absolutely lovely UI and deployment thing, it's so easy to ship things with them, does not have that kind of tier. Um, and so what I realized was that the ones that do are basically Google Cloud Platform and AWS. Mm -hmm. um, and um, after some Googling, this is, this is kind of what I've seen that a lot of people kind of end up over here in AWS and GCP world because it is cost efficient and it works. But it is absolutely terrifying to go into GCP and try to figure out where to go and things. So uh, I don't really have a lot of hot tips on this beyond um, if you're if you're a hobbyist developer, probably skip all the kind of package sellers and go straight to either Google Cloud Platform or AWS for your managed 
database What do you think is the easiest way to deploy a node application right now? I, I feel like I used to be a lot better at node specifically yeah. and uh, server-based websites. But lately, especially the past four yeah. or five years, client-side development has just grown so much. And the capabilities yeah. of that and GraphQL and just like being able to be a front-end developer has expanded. Um, and I haven't really reached for node as much and for server-side. Yeah. Yeah, so, so I went through this process recently because I was trying to deploy a node back in API uh, along with my database. And so there are a couple things I kind of ran into that I, I didn't think about when I first was thinking through this. So I, my first thought was that, hey, I'm going to reach for you know, something like Vercel or Netlify, um, which are bo both actually AWS wrappers. So both Vercel and Netlify, mm -hmm. you end up on the AWS servers. It's just kind of a nicer UI around it. And Vercel does a bunch of interesting, like, functions as a service stuff where it splits up your node app into a, a bunch of different cloud functions versus one node application, which is cool, and it works. Um, and so if you're somebody who just wants to deploy a node application, I think my first instinct would be to go with Vercel or Netlify. Mm -hmm. Both of them have really uh, great pricing for the free tier. Uh, you can grow with them, and it is wonderful to work with. They're both really easy to deploy applications with. I use Netlify all the time. That is my go-to now. It is the go-to that I have gone to for the past three years and longer, and I have found that it fits most of my needs, if yeah. not all of my current needs. Um, I was asking about the Node side of that because I know with server-based applications, it's a little bit different than just like shipping a content-based site, right? But I think you can you can so with Notify, wait, sorry, with Notify you can, I believe, publish Node applications now. Um, it's been a hot second, and um, but I think you can via their Netlify functions. Okay, because that's a, that's what I was confused about. Because I know that yeah. they're very Jamstacky, yeah. which so is like not that <laughs> yeah so it's not really a node application but you can do node functions which you can kind of piece it together mm -hmm. so that's why you think Vercel is better so Vercel also does something very very similar we can also they're very also functions first but if you use now or sorry next uh, with Vercel you can develop it as if it was a node application like a normal one and Vercel will figure out how to make it into functions which is kind of nice mm -hmm. um, now, here's the gotcha for all of these things, is, and the reason why I didn't use either of these two things is that if you have a cloud database somewhere um, and it's in a different type of server form than your node application, that increases the round-trip latency of making API requests. Um, so if, mm -hmm. you use, if you're using Vercel um, or Netlify for your functions, you're being hosted on AWS, but if your database is on DigitalOcean, if it's on, on GCP, then um, you're going to get s slower API responses. Um, so, which means that, which essentially means that if you use Vercel or Netlify, you have to use AWS. They don't have to, but if you want to, you want to have a performant API, which I think we all do. You uh, really should, yeah. You usually should use AWS and their database hosting. Um, we so I had a. Uh, uh, my scenario was that uh, Google Cloud Platform actually gave um, me and my partner uh, funding, essentially, to like credits for using their platform. And so I was like, all right, 
I'll use GCP instead for the entire workflow. But uh, GCP has something called App Engine, which is their version of Vercel or Netlify. And it's just much more confusing. So all this to say is that if you're a developer getting started today, definitely recommend Netlify or Vercel for your, for your Node applications. And if you can use AWS for your database, recommend it. Otherwise, try to figure out, you know, co-locate your stuff essentially as much as possible. Also, like you mentioned the credits thing, if you are working on like starting an app, most of these companies want to give you some kind of incentive to get you building on their system. Yes. Because ultimately, if you do grow this company, then you're kind of tied to them. Yes, out of, absolutely. You know, unless you want to rebuild everything and move stuff, but. Yeah, it's no one that wants to. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, so this, that was my second thing I was going to mention, which is like, there's actually a ton of different companies that are doing these open source hatcheries or like funding things. Um, we signed up our company via Stripe and Stripe gives you AWS credits. Um, but DigitalOcean has a thing called DigitalOcean Hatchery, which they yeah. will um, you know, give you some funding. Um, and Google Cloud Platform has their own version of this. And so if you're getting started and you need some, fu need some money for these platforms, uh, look around, we'll drop some links in the show notes, but there are a bunch of different you know, programs that these platforms will give you money for so that you can actually start building things and use you know, even if you can't use the free version, you'll have some, some credits to go through for at least a year or two. So it sounds like you're trying to use these serverless platforms to build an app with a server. And so, that's why you're... Well, no. So so I ended up using Google Cloud Platform. Okay. Google Cloud Platform has something called App Engine. Mm -hmm. um, and App Engine is, um, is similar to Vercel, where you kind of push a application that has a package JSON, and then it figures out how to, how to deploy a node application. It's just one of those things where Google Cloud Platform's UI is very complicated. Like if you've ever looked around there and started clicking around, it's just like, where, where am I going? I haven't found a UI for a cloud provider that is easy to work with and decent. And I'm not talking about like the serverless platforms because they are wrappers on these cloud platforms. I'm talking about the yeah. pl like cloud platforms themselves, which is why I think that like DigitalOcean has the best UI of all of them. But for... Yeah. It's, you're right, it's not as fully featured as some of the others, and they are such a mess. Like, I feel like they keep hiring UI teams, but nothing changes, so I'm curious what, yeah. what happens there. It's, it's funny because, you know, when we were first rolling out Bluemix or IBM Cloud five years ago or something. Longer. Google, uh, yeah, Google Cloud Platform came out. And they had this sidebar navigation. And we're looking at this a lot like, wow, it's so great compared to what we have. And then we copied it, essentially. Kind of. We tweaked it a little bit, but it's more of the Inspired. Same thing. Inspired. There we go. Uh, but this thing hasn't changed. It's the exact same menu as it was six years ago. And it's now that I look at it back on it, I'm like, how did anybody figure out where to go? And so I've been, that's been my. Even when you just open up like the products bar in the nav yeah. it's like 30 different products and i have no idea what i need yeah so compute um, engine like kubernetes engine cloud sql cloud storage cloud sdk BigQuery, operations data flow cloud cdn cloud run and then there's this thing called anthos and this is just gcp like amazon has all these weird names too yeah for their products and there's over 100 products yeah this so is like as somebody who used to work in the cloud space i know we used to design these applications. We, like this, it just, like, I don't understand. 
Because I never worked on a a homepage like this. I always worked on the actual, like, um, once you have a droplet, like, what you do with it and how it connects to other things and, like, how to build on that and, like, storage, cloud storage, um, the UI of that. um, But these homepages are just such a mess. Just massive. But you're kind of, like, forced to go through it, so... And they're you all know, different products too. They're like all they're different all products. different product teams because they're different products. Yeah. But <sighs> you know, so if you're me, um, the, the the products I ended up using on GCP um, are App Engine for my Node application, um, Cloud SQL for my Postgres database, mm-hmm. uh, and then Memory Store for my Redis cache. Um, and it was, you know, an experience to go set those things up. Um, How did you find what you needed to use? um, Yeah, so this was interesting. So um, Postgres is kind of the most popular. So not not anything scientific is is my answer. Um, Postgres is kind of the most popular uh, relational database right now. And, you know, for the application that I'm building, I I, I needed those relationships. I didn't want to have a flat structure like um, Google Firebase or Firestore has. Um, And so... Given that I wanted to use a a SQL database, um, it was okay. Probably use Postgres. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm using Postgres, um, where do I go to kind of um, figure this out, and where do I host it? There's a number of different Postgres hosting solutions, but again, if you are trying to get your fastest round trip things, you need to co-locate your your managed databases as well as your managed node applications, and so I had to use both GCP. Um, and then at that point, like, there's only one option left, which is Cloud SQL. Um, Do you remember um, MongoDB and CouchDB and yes, all those? Yes, all those things. Uh, I, I feel like back then, I wasn't thinking through like for API performances. I was just like, oh, I just want to host something, and I just I kind of forgot about it. And it didn't, even, it, didn't even occur, it didn't even occur to me that hosting managed solutions in different places would be a problem. I was just like, it's all on the internet somewhere. It's fine. Um, but, you know, yeah. apparently, apparently not. I feel like my problem with cloud providers and cloud products is this stuff feels complicated for no reason. Because you like it's basic. A lot of these products do the same thing from different angles. Yeah. And well, here's the, here's the, the, the crummy part, at least from in my perspective, is that like, there are products that do this. The wrapper products like, like Netlify or Vercel or a variety of different projects make this much easier where they've cleaned up the UI of essentially GCP or AWS and they've given to you in this nice clean wrapper. But then they charge you so much more than what GCP or AWS does. And so where, whereas you, know, you can host a, a managed server, a managed database on, on Google Cloud Platform for almost nothing, it will, it's going to cost you 30 bucks on DigitalOcean, for example, per month. Uh, which is a lot, you know, when you're just kind of kind of scrapping it together yourself, and you don't even, you don't even know if it's gonna work out. So, uh, yeah. You know just, what? This is exactly what happened. All of those companies were looking at like AWS homepage, AWS dashboard, and they said this can be done better. Yes. And <laughs> they're just using that infrastructure. I mean, it's super true. I mean, and 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 you know, more power to them because DigitalOcean is so much better. So I, I. The first time I launched this stuff, we launched. I launched it on DigitalOcean. It took me like a day to set it up. It was super quick, really easy. 
got productive. I got I, going. I mean, you're welcome. Uh, I had a small part yeah. of that as a it, UI engineer on there. <laughs> it was it was so lovely. I'm kidding. That was five years ago now. But it was it was it was great. But then I was like, but now I have to pay for these things, and yeah, uh, maybe I won't use it. <laughs> so, um, all this to say, TLDR of this managed database stuff is is um, if it were me to do the starting over again, and I had to pick a platform, I would probably pick Vercel plus AWS databases. Um, if not that, go with GCP all the way through, mm-hmm. um, and don't try to kind of split things up too much because you're going to start ending up adding extra round trips and complicate things more than they should be. Um, I wish I could recommend DigitalOcean because it was so much easier to work with. Well, you can recommend uh, it for being easy to work with. It's, yeah, sorry. If you have the budget for DigitalOcean... Uh, or, or you are on like a low tier. Yes. Like, well, because... So here's the thing with, with DigitalOcean where um, there's no low tier. Uh, oh, sorry. You, you can use droplets. Droplets. droplets so, but droplets basically require you to do the entire infrastructure. So this is kind of this is another kind of quick sidebar here of how am I actually hosting my my stuff. So if you want the very cheapest thing, you can use droplets or any kind of Docker container service, um, and you can do all your infrastructure yourself essentially um, inside a Docker container. That's what, what I used. Which is what a droplet is. The problem with that is that it's not resilient, and if something goes down, everything goes down. Well, that's why you have. Um, um, oh my God, what is it called? There is a service that Dio provides that is. Um, like you had multiple droplets up at any time, and if one goes down, it automatically sends to the other. I oh, so load balancing. Yeah, but the problem with that is that databases can't be load balanced like that. Where you need databases to be either on shards, uh, where there's some kind of um, interaction between them, so that they are replicating the exact, the exact same way, or some other shenanigans, which is not uh, super. Do- it's not easily doable with containers, essentially. Um, and I did a bunch of Googling, like, should I ship, should I deploy my database in a container? And again, uh, real quick, I'm not a backend developer, so this is just me Googling around going, please help Google first page results. Someone tell me what to do. And the answer was, they were like, no, don't do it. Uh, it's, it's not worth it. And so that's how I ended up on managed database solutions. Um, yeah, makes sense. Uh, but yeah, so that was the first kind of like, how do I even host something uh, so that I have an API that my my web my native native applications can use? Um, and then it was like, um, so I inherited this project from some other different engineer about you know, six months ago or so, and he had rolled his own authorization, um, which, as it turns out is not a great idea. No, I was going to say that sounds terrible. It sounds like the opposite of what I'd want to do. I don't trust myself more than I trust a company with employees. Yes. Um, And so, you know, I was doing kind of going through some stuff. I was like, like, oh, here's a couple things where we're leaking some information. And if somebody really cared to to crack us, they could uh, because our, you know, our source code had some of the secrets and some other bad things. And like, oh, no, what? um, I, I, so I fixed it. In mind. I fixed it now. But like even, but even then, it's one of those things that when you start diving into authorization, there's a whole bunch of stuff around. Like, hey, when I use a social authorization, I get some information from Facebook. I get some information from Google. How do I actually put this in my database? How do I use and store all these things? And it's just a lot. And so um, I spent some time kind of reading a bunch of stuff about databases and how to set up social auth, user auth, these things. And then I ended up saying. 
let's just swap to auth zero and call it a day um yeah which is my recommendation for everybody involved uh uh don't try doing it yourself there are some great libraries you know with passport and a variety of things that sets up for you but like the level of knowledge you have to have to make this stuff work seamlessly and in a way that other people expect you know i feel like the expectation for, for login is so high because some apps do it great apps that we use all, all, all the time and so you know there's this very common use case of like hey i have I'm, i want to be able to log in with both facebook and twitter on the same account because sometimes i do both you know and that is a very specific setup that you can goof up and then it, then it's a big deal to kind of unwind that which is what happened to me do you look into Okta too? Because I I know that that is another um, off provider and management that sort of ma does probably a similar thing to Auth0. Yeah, so I looked into a few things, and actually, um, um, Okta just bought Auth0. Oh, I believe. Um, yeah, they closed the acquisition yesterday. So wow, um, <laughs> for six point five billion dollars. Wow. Um, I didn't know that. I I've been following that along because when I was when I was trying to figure this out, I was googling a bunch and I saw Just some of the stuff. Just buy your competition. Um, but yeah, so sometime soon, Auth server will be folded into Okta, uh, which is good question mark. But one other thing I found recently is is a, is a thing called Supabase.io, um, and it's not necessarily a authorization tool per se. Although it does have authorization, but they build themselves as a Firebase um, alternative, where they use a Postgres database instead of Firestore, but they also provide the real-time subscriptions like Firebase does, but crucially authentication as well. Um, and they have authorization with Google, with with GitHub, and a few other things. Um, so if you're trying to launch a application and need authorization and Postgres databases, um, Superbase. 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 How are you pronouncing this name? Uh, is a probably something worth checking out. I haven't used it myself personally, just because they don't support Apple authorization yet, mm. which is a requirement for iOS applications. So if you're doing mobile mobile applications, Superbase isn't an option right now. But if you're not doing uh, iOS applications, or um, then you're good to go with Superbase. And so. Um, something to check out. I haven't, I haven't used it myself yet, but I, I will be looking into it more in the future. Okta seems pretty cool. I'm, I'm looking at the site now. They not only have like single sign-on authentication, user management. Um, they also have like API access management. Yeah. Which is really neat and like MFA, multi-factor authentication. Um, I definitely am a big fan of. Don't try to roll out this yeah. kind of stuff yourself. There are teams of hundreds of people who are working on this yeah. exact problem and you're not smarter than them. Yeah, Especially when it comes to security infrastructure, like as a single developer on a project, like maybe for just prototyping and kind of like futzing around, but of all the things on the web, security and privacy are the things to pay money for someone else yeah. to have figured out for you. Just, just even, I would even say, especially for smaller projects like auth zero is free up to 7,000 active monthly logins um which you probably won't hit for a, a while probably uh, unless you're amazing um i know i won't hit that for a long time so um um 
and it's free up to that point. And, and after that, it's not that expensive. And so it's probably worthwhile sticking with, you know, uh, um, something like Auth0 or, or Okta. Um, there's a variety of different providers. Yeah, yeah, or, there's a variety. You know, another option, of course, is to just, just say, I'm only going to expose login via like Facebook or Google. Um, mm -hmm. But that has some, you know, you know, work around that, that has some like caveats where, or, you know, hey, you know, some people don't want to log in with Facebook because they don't like Facebook. And, or they deleted their Facebook. Yeah, or they deleted their Facebook. Um, so um, just use Auth0 or Okta. Same thing soon. So um, and, and don't worry about it. And so you don't have to think about somebody cracking your um, your security and leaking credit card information or any of that kind of shenanigans. Yeah. <laughs> Um, do you have any uh, more tools or tips for folks that are setting up? Um, so those were, the, those were the things that were top of mind for me because those are the things I've been struggling with for the last two weeks. Um, but I will, um, I'm, I'm going to be writing a blog post about authorization soon. And nice. a UI engineer's guide to authorization. That's, um, that's so needed. Um, I love that. Um, and I, and I'll, I will link it in the show notes whenever it's done. Um, what happened to the other blog post that you were writing? I post I posted it. But that was the texture one. That was like a year ago. Okay, that was a year ago, yeah. Okay, <laughs> Last time we talked about you writing blog posts. Um awesome. So yeah. I guess we'll call this show full stack uh shenanigans and security. <laughs> I don't know. Sec security is part of full stack. We talked about databases and security and yeah. hosting. And hosting. Hopefully That's this is helpful. That is. Yeah. Yeah, it's, well, it's we didn't talk about front end. So we sort of like middle yeah. stack. Back end shenanigans. Back end shenanigans, yeah. middle middleware, middle stack. <laughs> it's not middleware. A UI's attempt to being full stack. Yes. Um, this is like a, what, <laughs> so what is it called when like you have a direct source and you have like a secondary source? Primary source. Primary source, secondary. This is like a quad tertiary source yeah tertiary uh, <laughs> i don't know yeah one of those words um i used to be way more smart about this stuff because i kind of had to be and i feel like throughout my career i've sort of done a lot more specialization in a way which i think is good it happens it's good like i if i didn't have to do this i wouldn't do it um because i'm not it's slow for me i'm not good at this stuff and so i'm just kind of like doing that whole stack overflow churn of like, hey, look. And that's like great. You're learning something new. I want to learn yeah, yeah. like blockchain development. That's like kind of an area that I'm interested in moving into, like just in my knowledge that because yeah. I don't know anything about it. Yeah. I want to learn solidity. I just want to learn like what it means to build an app in this space. Um, but yeah, I think that the other thing about web development is the ecosystem has changed in that yeah. you don't need to run a server anymore. Mm -hmm. Like it used to be like, mean stack you know yeah all of that and i would have to like run a local server yeah. uh using an app now i rarely do that i mean i do run servers locally but it's not yeah. in that same like gui that i remember using eight years ago that i had all my wordpress site yeah. <laughs> running in like it's just the ecosystem has changed and it's become much more client-side friendly especially yeah. with apis and like text-based information that i think with the rise of all these um, platforms as a service, like, you know, I can use GCP or Netlify or whatever it is to host my stuff. And I don't need to know all the intricacies of 
setting the stuff manually. So like in the in the Docker container, Docker scenario, I would have to know about how to mm-hmm. first install Postgres into a, into a Linux box, set up the permissions properly, let it talk to a server properly, all the stuff. And also like SSHing uh, into a Docker container is sucks. hard. It just sucks, yeah. And uh, like managing, it's just such a, it's it's a terminal and you kind of have to like know how to navigate it and it's not it's not intuitive. Yeah. And so like now that you know I can use things like managed managed databases, managed node applications, I don't have to know all of those things. So as a UI engineer, um, it has given me the opportunity to become like you know to do these full full stack stuff because I don't have to know all the stuff I used to have to know, you know, 10 years ago to run a server or run a database and all that stuff. So that that by itself is actually super cool, and I love that. That's just how the web has gotten to where I, as a, I can I can pull up a, up a database, I can launch a product, and I don't need a you know a trained backend engineer to do all these things. Um, so we're getting cool. closer yeah. and closer to no code. Yeah, and someday Webflow will do all this for us. We'll just yeah. hit a button, and it'll go, it'll go straight from there. Or a new a different company, but or, yeah, or something new. But it's good to know the stuff. I think if I was, if I needed to work in this area, I would definitely know more about it. Um, I think that it's okay to have different specialties also in yeah. tech. Um, yeah. But definitely, if you are one of the people who is full stack or is a front end developer who's interested in building an application and you're maybe one of one developers doing it or one of one two. Of one. Um, this hopefully helped, and uh, I enjoyed this whirlwind journey into Chris's brain as he also figures this stuff out. <laughs> as I'm also frantically trying to figure out what I'm talking about. Yeah. Let's let's uh, give one more shout out to the full stack tool that is sponsoring the show, Voyage. Yes, thank you, Voyage, again for sponsoring our podcast. Um, once again, Voyage will build a buy-in for developers um, to solve our problems solve our problems for us and stand up staging environments to get feedback on and share it with anyone who needs to actually see it and give you feedback um if you go to their website voyageapp.io slash tools day um you'll get 20 percent off your first month so check them out and um thanks for sponsoring us check it out voyage.com slash tools day i love me a good discount Get get the get your tools on. <laughs> get your tools on. Get your tools on. All right, I'll leave it to that. Thanks for listening to the show. Got some good ones coming up. Appreciate you joining us today, and we will see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.